Welcome back to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The Men's World Cup is over, but now it's time for the women. I'm going to have Women's World Cup episodes all summer long, breaking down all the storylines and all the fun. My name is Peter Roman. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And let's dive right in. Welcome to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. This is my round of 16 review, part one. So four of the games from the round of 16 have finished. There's four more to go, and we have two quarterfinal matchups confirmed. So let's dive into them. So the games I'm going to talk about in this episode include the USA versus Sweden, Netherlands versus South Africa, Japan versus Norway, and Switzerland versus Spain. So, I will start with the game that most recently finished and ruined my sleep schedule to an insane degree, USA-Sweden. So this game was at 3 a.m. my time, and it went to penalty kicks. (laughs) But Sweden ended up winning this game in penalties. It was 0-0 the final score, no one scored in regular time, and it went to the shootout where the Swedes one in dramatic fashion. If you haven't watched the shootout, please go find the shootout on YouTube or somewhere else because it is it is worth it. The shootout is absolutely worth watching. So let's dive into the game. Let's break down what happened and then some thoughts going forward. So in the first half, it was sort of two different things. So in the first 20 minutes, it felt pretty even between the two teams. Sweden generated some chances, the United States generated some chances, and both teams, it almost felt like they were feeling each other out a little bit, but ultimately, you know, not a whole lot to separate the two. I thought it was pretty even. And then in the last 25 minutes of the first half, the United States, they kind of settled in, they started to really take over the game, and especially their midfield. I I have to give some credit to, to the coaching staff who've been very They've been criticized a lot in this tournament. But the midfield three, Lindsey Horan, Sullivan, and Sonnet, the three of them were really, really good in this game. They completely took out and controlled the midfield because Aslani, Rubinson, and Agne... Again, I apologize if I butcher names. Angeldal, they really struggled for Sweden. So that was kind of the midfield battle was we had the three versus... the three versus three between Sweden and the USA. But... Ultimately, it was definitely the U.S. coming out on top. Unfortunately, it didn't lead to any goals. Horan came the closest in the first half, hitting the crossbar on a header. In the second half, it was kind of more of the same, where we had Sweden really struggle in the midfield. The U.S., like, Sweden just had trouble getting out of their own half. The United States were all over them. Sweden got, like, one chance that was half decent, where they forced Alyssa Nair into a save. But other than that, it was all USA. Sophia Smith had some great chances, wasn't able to bury them. Lindsey Horan had another great chance that was robbed. A great save by the Sweden goalkeeper, Musevic, who was absolutely the best player in this game. Musevic was unbelievable, some of the saves she made. Alex Morgan had a header that Musevic was able to save point blank. It was a tremendous A-plus goalkeeping effort from Musevic, who won the woman of the match so that's you know to be expected kind of thing so that was basically the 90 minutes and then we got to extra time and so in the extra time 
Again, more of the same. Sweden kind of hanging on, and the United States were pressing and pressing, but they couldn't find that that chance that was going to be so great that they would score on. They got some really good chances in the game, but nothing like A+. They were probably like B-plus level chances, and the keeper made the save on every single one. So, that brings us then to the penalty shootout. So, this shootout, like I said, nothing but drama and craziness. So, the first four kicks all went in. So, Sullivan and Haran scored for the United States, and Rolfo and Rubinson scored for Sweden. So, 2-2. And then Bjorn missed for Sweden. She ended up having her penalty kick go over the bar. Third kick for the United States, Mewis scored. So, United States lead. The fourth kicks, Megan Rapino, the most experienced player left at the World Cup, because I guess the only two players who maybe had more experience have been eliminated. So, the most experienced player left at the World Cup, by far the most experienced on the United States. Surely she's not going to miss the penalty, right? Nope, she did. She went right over the crossbar, and I was shocked because I... If I had to pick someone on the U.S. team to miss a penalty, it wasn't going to be Megan Rapino. So, the U. So now the U.S. gave up the lead. So now Sweden has a chance to tie. The problem is Blomqvist missed. She got her penalty saved by Lissanair. So we're going into the final round, round five. Sophia Smith is up for the United States. If she scores, they win the game. And Sophia Smith steps up and puts it wide right of the bar. So, Sweden now needs to score to tie the shootout and send us to sudden death. And Benningson stepped up and just delivered what can only be described as a super clutch penalty kick to tie the game and send us to round six. So then in round six, Alyssa Nair, the USA goalkeeper, stepped up, put it right down the middle, great penalty kick, and it was Ericsson who matched it for Sweden, which brought us to round seven. Kelly O'Hara stepped up for the United States. She hit the post. And so Sweden had a chance to win it. Hertig stepped up for them. She shot it. Nair made a partial save. The ball, like, basically bounced around. And we waited because VAR needed to look to see if the ball crossed the line because we weren't sure. I wasn't sure at the time when I was watching this game. And we waited for what felt like, it felt like three minutes, but in reality, I think it was like 10 seconds. But it felt like three minutes we were waiting. It's just like, did it cross the line? Did it cross the line? We were waiting for the referee. And it was in by literally the finest of margins. If you haven't seen the picture of the goal line technology, like, go go look at it. It is literally as close as it could be. Because the rule in this sport is that the entire ball has to cross the line for it to count as a goal. Well, like, like literally just barely. Not even a millimeter. Like, it was just, it was as close as it could be to being a goal. And that was the difference because Sweden have knocked out the United States and Sweden are going through to the quarterfinals. The three-peat will not happen. The three-peat dream is over for the United States. 
They go home in the round of 16. This is the first time they've never made a semifinal at the Women's World Cup. They've made the semifinal every single tournament except for this one. Sweden, they were the last team to beat the United States in 90 minutes at a World Cup. They also beat the U.S. in penalty kicks in 2016 at the Olympics. They did it again to the United States. So definitely, I think, a little bit of a rivalry being developed here between these two countries. But great game. I know there weren't any goals scored in the game, but it was still a good game to watch. It was fun to watch tactically, right, as far as, like, the different strategies and different things like that. But Sweden prevail. They weren't the better team in the game, but they prevail, and that's how it goes sometimes. So now, of course, questions need to be asked. So for the United States, I mean, this was a tournament where they scored zero goals against Portugal. They scored zero goals against Sweden over 120 minutes. And they scored one against the Netherlands and three against Vietnam. That is not going to be good enough. Like, if you're looking for the biggest difference between this United States team and the United States team in 2019 that won the Women's World Cup, it is simply goal scoring. Like, this team just could not score goals in the same way that that team could. So, obviously, you know, heartbreaking, no... Heartbreaking loss for the United States. No three-peat this time around. For Sweden, though, huge win. Huge win. They're through to the quarterfinals. We'll see how they hold up because their quarterfinal opponent will have one more day of rest, and they didn't have to play 120 minutes. So we'll see how that works out for Sweden. But for right now, they can celebrate. They got the win. They just just edged it out and for the United States a lot of questions but of course they will have to try and pick themselves up and that was probably the last World Cup game for Megan Rapino, and I would assume Alex Morgan as well but I guess we'll see if those two come back for one more World Cup probably more likely with Morgan than Rapino, but still I'm not sure the only other note I have from this game is I want to talk about Sophia Smith so Sophia Smith obviously had the penalty in the fifth round that could have won the game, and she ended up putting it wide. She was in tears after the game, which 100% makes sense. But it reminded me a lot of Saka's penalty for England at the European Championships, like the men's European Championships. Saka was a 19-year-old who had a penalty kick in the Euro final against Italy, and he missed. And... When that happens to a young player, one of two things can happen. Either one, they can let that derail them, and it can kind of ruin what's been a very promising start to their career, or it can motivate them. And it did for Saka. For Saka, the penalty miss motivated him. He is so fearless. He's been the penalty taker for Arsenal for a little while now. And it's because he has gone up a level and he has practiced every single time. And he's gotten really good at penalty kicks now. But also, more importantly, he's become a tremendous player because that moment, instead of bringing him down, it motivated him to bring him up to a level that I don't think people thought he could get to. So we'll see. Sophia Smith is a young, very talented superstar player. This was their first World Cup. Will this derail her, right? Will this moment, you know, be a lot and too much? 
or will it be the motivating factor that takes her to another level? Only time will tell, but that was my only other note. So that was the game Sweden-USA. I'm going to move on to the next quarterfinal game because, of course, we need to know their opponent. So we're going to talk about Japan and Norway. So Japan and Norway. Japan won this game 3-1 to the final score. It wasn't quite the blowout that I was expecting, but Japan, they were never really that threatened in this game. They were always kind of in control of this game against the Norwegians. Norway, I think, generated two really good scoring chances, and one of them they scored, it was a brilliant headed goal, and the other one they missed, and that one fortunately would have been an equalizer, and it wasn't. Norway did get unlucky, though, in this game, and there's no other way to describe that. The opening goal in this game was an own goal for the Norwegians. Basically, she tried to, like, block a cross, and it ended up going into her own net, which is, you know, obviously heartbreaking for the player for the player herself. But, you know, Japan, Japan more than, like... They more than deserve that, I think, based on the, based on the run of play. Like, Japan were playing really well, and so the goal going in felt like the correct result, even if it was an unlucky, crappy play for the Norwegians themselves, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that was the one nothing goal for Japan. Norway struck back with a great header. That's the first goal Japan have conceded at the Women's World Cup, and, I mean, it took a brilliant headed goal to, for them to even concede. I thought the strategy in this game was really interesting, though, because Norway were clearly terrified of the Japanese attack. They basically played five defenders, four midfielders, and one forward. But those five defenders were so narrow. They were all like kind of squished together to crowd the middle. And they were basically giving up the wings because they thought, well, we're going to let Japan cross the ball, but we're going to trust that our team can win these headers. And so that was kind of working for the most part in the second half. The problem is when you're playing that defensive, you don't have anybody to go forward. You're always worrying about defending because you're so scared of the other team. So anyway, eventually they made a mistake because this is the other problem with defending for the whole game is that you have to rely on zero mistakes. Well, it was a bad mistake, bad turnover, and Japan were able to score off the turnover. Risa, their, um, their right midfielder, ended up stealing the ball, putting it in. It took a deflection, but still. So, that put Japan up 2-1. to one. And so now Norway, at some point, has to, like, put players forward because, of course, you want to try and win the game. And they did. And the minute they put players forward, Japan started tearing them apart. And Miyazawa ended up scoring her fifth goal of the Women's World Cup to secure the 3-1 win for the Japanese in the 81st minute. Miyazawa, by the way, is now the golden boot leader for the leading scorer of the tournament. So... And also, fun fact, uh, this is the first time a Japanese player has had five goals at a World Cup since Omari Sawa. And Sawa is the legendary Japanese player who won the Golden Ball for Best Player of the Tournament and the Golden Boot during the 2011 World Cup, the one that Japan won. So, pretty good company, I would say, for Miyazawa, who's had a tremendous tournament, by the way. She's exceptional. And her and Tanaka and just... You know, whenever they send players forward, it's always just... They're really smart, and they're really decisive in their attack. Like, I, I love the way Japan play. I just love the way they play. So, anyway, that was the final score. 3-1. to one. 
And so Japan go through to the quarterfinals. They will play Sweden in the next round. And as I mentioned, Japan have one more day of rest than the Swedes do, and they didn't have to play 120 minutes. So that is definitely an, an advantage for the Japanese going into the next game. For Norway, I mean, at least they got out of the group, I guess, because this was a very, very disappointing tournament. For the amount of talent that the Norwegians have, it just it never really showcased itself properly on the field, outside of the Philippines game anyways. It really just wasn't a... It didn't feel like a very cohesive team. It felt like a lot of individual players, and there wasn't that camaraderie that you would hope to have from a team like this because Norway definitely have more talent than what they showed, but it doesn't matter if you don't play well as a team. And that, that was kind of my biggest takeaway from the Norwegians. And it doesn't help when you're so terrified of the other team, you're playing purposely to try and stop them instead of trying to play your game and trying to find a way to win. It was more trying to play to, not to lose. So that was Japan and Norway. I'm going to move on to the next game now, which is Netherlands, South Africa. So Netherlands, South Africa is the next one here on my list. So Netherlands won this game 2 to nothing. the final score versus South Africa. Unfortunately for South Africa, this game just... I mean, if you want to list the amount of things that were, like, unlucky in this game, I mean, South Africa had a pretty good trifecta. So, first, they had a couple of really bad injuries in the first half where they had to make two substitutions to two of their starters. Not great. They also had just... A, just a little bit of bad luck offensively. They really should have scored in the first half, especially at the end of the first half, and then a goalkeeping mistake. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the three ones you don't want. The Netherlands did open the scoring in this game. It was a goal from Jill Roord. Basically, it was a corner kick played in, was not dealt with well at all by South Africa. Ball popped into the air, and Roord was there to head it in, put Netherlands in front one nothing. The Dutch mostly controlled the first half until, like I mentioned, the end of the first half where South Africa really found their feet. And Katlana, I can't believe she didn't score. She had a breakaway and just was stopped. And they had countless other chances. They just couldn't bury them. And the Netherlands were able to hold on and take the one nothing lead to halftime. And South Africa, like I mentioned, they had two key injuries in this first half. So Mbane, their start, one of their starting center backs, she got hurt, had to be taken off, and Seoponsenwe, one of their wingers, also got injured, so she had to get taken off as well. So not a great start. Not a great start. Um, you had two injuries, you had a breakaway that was stopped, and you're down one nothing. Okay, but you can recover this. The problem was it took a while in the second half. The Netherlands were really good. Their midfield, I thought, really suffocated the South African play. It was really hard for them to get anything going in this game. And that was one of the big reasons why ultimately, you know, South Africa didn't generate a whole lot of chances in the second half compared to the first half, at least in my opinion. And then Berenstein got played in and she shot it and went right through the goalkeeper's hands. Swart, the South African goalkeeper, she definitely will want that one back. That is a rough moment for, for the South African keeper. But ultimately, the Netherlands held on to win. 2-0, the final score. 
Jill Roard played really great in this game. Uh, Gronin, Brooks also played really good in that Dutch midfield. Van de Donk, I thought, also played a really good game. Unfortunately for Van de Donk, the, the only other note from this game, Van de Donk got a yellow card, and so she is now suspended for the quarterfinal game, so that kind of sucks. Like, she she's not an easy player to lose for the Netherlands, so we'll see if, how they cope without her, but Van de Donk, very important player, unfortunately won't be there for the quarterfinals. So that's pretty much it. The Netherlands won this game. South Africa, despite how great a story they were, they played their hearts out, but ultimately a little bit of bad luck and, you know, they they weren't as good as the Netherlands in this game. And that's the best way I can describe that. But they should absolutely keep their head held high. They have done their entire country proud. So that was that game. And then on to the final game, Switzerland and Spain. So Switzerland-Spain was actually the first game that happened in the round of 16, but I'm leaving it for last. So this game has, in my opinion, the least interesting things to talk about because Spain killed them. It was 5-1 the final score. Spain scored all six goals in this game, though. The only goal the Swiss got was a horrible own goal. Codina, she made a back pass to the goalkeeper, but it was a really bad back pass, and I'm talking really bad. Like, if Spain hadn't won this game, she would be kicking herself for the rest of her life. That's how bad the back pass was. Fortunately, it didn't matter because Spain killed him. But, yeah, tough own goal for Codina. But, the I mean, the player of the match was easily Bonmati. Bonmati was a, yeah, just an A-plus performance. She, a 10 out of 10 performance. She was great at everything. Her passing was amazing. Her shooting was amazing. Her positioning was amazing. Her ability to just control the game and really, really put her stamp on it, you know? Like, great midfielders can do this. And Bonmati absolutely did that in this game. She had two of the goals for Spain. She had the opening goal and one in the 36th. And it was just, it was her show. She was running the show. She was the star. And you know, Spain would not be where they are without her. She has been their best player in this tournament and by far the best player in this game. Redondo scored in the 17th. Codina did get one back for on the positive side of things in the 45th. And then Jenny Hermoso in the 70th minute for the Spanish. So ultimately, a big win for Spain. They were really great in this game. They even started the game without Alexia Puteas, who was on the bench, bold move from the coach but it certainly worked against the Swiss we'll see if he decides to keep her on the bench or if she ends up playing you know their quarterfinal game against the Netherlands I guess we'll have to wait and see but Bonmati I mean uh, exceptional performance the Netherlands will have to find a way to try and neutralize her because she is so good right now and then yeah for the Swiss just not enough in this game they had one pretty good chance in the 55th minute but you know, like they had a cross and the shot was saved by the Spanish goalkeeper, but they they really needed that to go in. Like it just they they really didn't generate a whole lot. They they looked completely overmatched in this game. It was not a fair fight at all. At least in my opinion, based on watching. So congrats to Spain. They're going through for the Swiss. This was probably this was probably like a satisfactory tournament. Like I think they met expectations. I don't think they exceeded expectations, but I also don't think they underperformed by any means. 
So overall, an okay tournament for the Swiss. For Spain, though, they're going through to the quarterfinals. It's an all-European quarterfinal. They will play the Netherlands for a shot at a semifinal place at the World Cup. Very excited to watch that game. So that's it. That's all I got for this episode. Thank you so much for listening in. Those were the four games covered today. The next four games are on their way. So tomorrow is England, Nigeria, and Australia, Denmark. And then the following day will be Colombia, Jamaica, France, Morocco. Once the France-Morocco game has concluded, I will record an episode at some point before the start of the quarterfinals. So be on the lookout for that. But again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The music is from Pixabay. There will be new episodes throughout the Women's World Cup, so make sure you subscribe and don't miss a moment of the 2023 World Cup.